You hear a knock on the door and open it to find two friendly representatives from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, otherwise known as the Mormon Church. What will you say? Will you send them away without a Christian witness, or will you engage them in a meaningful and Christ-honoring conversation? If you desire the latter, may we suggest the book, Answering Mormon's Questions by Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson. Answering Mormon's Questions is available at the Utah Christian Research Center, 579 West Galena Park Place in Draper, Utah. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Is the Book of Mormon the most correct of any book on earth? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. We continue looking at books that were given away as Christmas gifts by the First Presidency between the years 1981 and 2017. This week we've been looking at one of those gifts. It was titled Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith. Even though this particular Christmas gift was a soft leather-bound volume, you can still find the contents of this book in a hardbound volume that is available at just about any Deseret bookstore that's owned by the LDS Church. So a lot of the page numbers that we are giving in this series regarding this book are exactly the same. There have been no alterations between the Christmas gift book and the book that's available to the general public. Today we're going to begin with a statement that Joseph Smith made regarding the Book of Mormon. Page 194, he said, I told the brethren that the Book of Mormon was the most correct of any book on earth and the keystone of our religion, and a man would get nearer to God by abiding by its precepts than by any other book. This statement has always intrigued me, Eric, because when you look at the Book of Mormon, you don't find a lot of the truly unique teachings of the LDS Church. I've often said that when I read the Book of Mormon, I don't get the impression that I'm reading a story about ancient Mormons. They sound to me more to be like confused Protestants. They seem to be wrestling with a lot of the controversies of the New Testament era and post-New Testament era, rather than issues you would think would have been important to people living in ancient America, as the context implies. But when he says the most correct of any book on earth, this was supposedly translated by the gift and power of God. But yet we have find that the LDS Church has seen fit over the years to make corrections to the Book of Mormon, that it doesn't read exactly the same as the 1830 edition, which was, of course, the first edition of the Book of Mormon. Words have been changed, words have been added, words have been deleted, so it's not exactly the same. Now, a Mormon might argue, well, it doesn't change the meaning all that much. It doesn't? When you add the word not, for instance, does that not change the meaning of the sentence quite substantially? When you insert words that change the original understanding, I would say that does seem to be kind of significant. But when he says that it's the keystone of our religion and a man would get nearer to God by abiding by 
its precepts than by any other book. If that statement is true, could I not draw the conclusion that the Book of Mormon, by abiding by its precepts, is more important than, let's say, by following the Doctrine and Covenants? Or perhaps even the Pearl of Great Price? Or even conference messages that are given by leaders in the LDS Church? Would this not be more important than even those teachings that we find in those other areas? Now, the reason I bring this up is no Mormon's going to say that. They're going to say they're all important. But if I can get nearer to God by abiding by its precepts, what would a Latter-day Saint think being nearer to God would even mean? I think most Latter-day Saints would understand that this would mean being exalted in the celestial kingdom, where you become a god, and you inherit a world after your judgment for your good works and your following the precepts of God. The problem is those precepts aren't found in the Book of Mormon. I remember asking a Latter-day Saint many years ago, and I've said it on this show before. I asked him, if I was to do what Joseph Smith said here, if I abided by the precepts in the Book of Mormon other than any other book, would I find exaltation in the celestial kingdom? And he said, yes. And I said, that's odd, because I wouldn't even know there's a celestial kingdom to shoot for because it's not mentioned in the Book of Mormon. It doesn't mention, for instance, three degrees of glory, the celestial, terrestrial, and telestial kingdom. That wouldn't be something I would think a Nephite, if they really existed, would be shooting for. And yet, the Book of Mormon is supposed to be talking about real people, real places, and real events. Would I come to the conclusion by reading the Book of Mormon that I could become a god in the next life? No because that's not in there. Would I find anywhere in the Book of Mormon, for instance, that God, the one they call Heavenly Father or Elohim, was once a human being like us, who was not always God, but became God at some point in time when exactly we're not even sure? Would I, from the Book of Mormon, know that I need to be married in a temple for time and eternity with my wife? I wouldn't understand that concept at all if all I had was the Book of Mormon because it's not mentioned in there. Or how about this idea of the pre-existence, that all of us as human beings are the literal offspring of a heavenly father and a heavenly mother. People, heavenly mother is not only not mentioned in the Book of Mormon, she's not mentioned in any Mormon scripture. Bruce McConkie, a Mormon apostle, referred to Heavenly Mother as an unspoken truth. She's not mentioned anywhere, but that has to be thrown in there for a Latter-day Saint to try and make some kind of sense out of this idea that all humans are the literal offspring, spirit children, I should say, of a Heavenly Father as well as a Heavenly Mother, because you can't have children here on earth unless you have a man and a woman. So what does this statement really mean? Well, to me, it means virtually nothing when you really examine it closely. I think this is a great quote for an evangelical Christian to bring up to their LDS friend or relative and ask if the Latter-day Saint believes that what Joseph Smith said was true, that the Book of Mormon is the keystone of the LDS religion, and a man could get nearer to God by abiding by his precepts than by any other book. Bill, you have just listed several important doctrines that are crucial to Mormonism that make Mormonism unique. And I think a lot of Latter-day Saints spend a lot more time reading the Book of Mormon than they do the 
Bible. And I think they just assume these things are there. And when you ask them about, well, where is preexistence, for instance, found in the Book of Mormon, they'll say, well, it's in there somewhere, but they can't really point to a specific place that you can use. And so we have an article on our website that talks about what you've just said, Bill, ten, top 10 teachings of Mormonism not supported by the Book of Mormon. And if you go to mrm.org slash Book of Mormon Doctrines. Book of Mormon Doctrines has hyphens between the the words. You'll see an explanation of what you just talked about these past few minutes. Well, one of the doctrines that I did not mention in that list that I just gave was the doctrine of baptism for the dead. What does Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 193, have to say about that subject? This doctrine presents in a clear light the wisdom and mercy of God in preparing an ordinance for the salvation of the dead, being baptized by proxy, their names recorded in heaven, and they judged according to the deeds done in the body. This doctrine was the burden of the scriptures. Those saints who neglect it in behalf of their deceased relatives do it at the peril of their own salvation. So if you do not practice baptism for the dead on behalf of your dead relatives, your failure is going to be at the peril of your own salvation. Do we find that in the Book of Mormon? No. No, we don't find baptism for the dead in the Book of Mormon at all. In fact, I would argue that if a Mormon wants to believe the Book of Mormon, Alma 34 tends to refute the notion because it says that if you die in your sin, the devil has sealed you his, and that's the final state of the wicked. So if these people who are being baptized vicariously by a Latter-day Saint, died in their sins, it would seem, if the Book of Mormon's true, that it it wouldn't make any sense. It, It wouldn't do any good for those individuals. It's interesting when it comes to baptism for the dead, because that is one of the main works that are done in all of the temples that are being built, and uh, the church is continually building dozens of new temples so that people can go through for themselves one time so that they can get sealed to their husband or wife, but mainly what it's for is for people to do work, and they even get the teenagers involved in the baptism for the dead, and if it's not even talked about in the Book of Mormon, and in the Bible, one verse is taken out of its context, 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty nine, and make a whole doctrine out of it. I think this is troubling that the LDS Church takes such an important concept and has no backing for it from their own scriptures. Well, it's interesting that you bring up 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty nine because you and I have visited many temples when they have their temple open houses. They will usually open them up to the public prior to being dedicated and for the use only for those who are considered worthy in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The one Bible verse that they seem to have on the tour of those temples is 1 Corinthians 15.29, which we would argue is wholly torn from its context because it gives you the impression that baptism for the dead was something that early Christians did. But 1 Corinthians 15.29 wouldn't seem to prove that by the very way Paul writes about it. When he says, what shall they do which are baptized for the dead if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized for the dead? Now, I just quoted it in the King James English because that's what Mormons respect. But how do you explain that, Latter-day Saint, if it's really the most glorious subject pertaining to the everlasting gospel, as Joseph Smith claimed in the Doctrine and Covenants? Why is Paul seemingly excusing himself from this practice by saying they? Why doesn't he say we 
you would think he would if he was engaged in this practice. I think Paul purposely uses the word they because this was not a practice of the early Christians. Whoever was doing it, we don't know. We don't even know what exactly Paul is referring to. That's how vague this passage is. And it's dangerous to make a doctrine out of a vague passage, but yet that's exactly what the LDS Church has done with 1 Corinthians 15.29. Bill, if anybody would like to help our radio ministry out, we have a special offer that they might like to consider for a generous gift of any size. We're going to send you an electronic copy of Bill McKeever's In Their Own Words, a compilation of LDS citations that's close to 400 pages in length. You just need to go to mrm.org. Go to the Donate button on the right side of the top page and put in your amount in the Add a Note section if you put the letters PDF and then provide your radio station call letters or your city and state. Or if you listen on podcast, just mention the state where you live, and that will help us immensely. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism. All of us at Mormonism Research Ministry want to wish you and yours a joyous Christmas season as we remember the miraculous birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, who came into this world to save his people from their sins. If Viewpoint on Mormonism has been a blessing to you, would you consider a generous year-end gift to help further the efforts of Mormonism Research Ministry? Please know that your tax-deductible gift to MRM is very much appreciated, and we humbly thank you for your kind support.